Masks of Sanity podcast may have graphic and disturbing content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Did you hear that popping? <laughs> my neck and sternum popped while I threw back my head. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'll wash this blanket later. But I spilled like half of that. Just down your down chest. my shirt. Amber, you need to stop trying to seduce me, all right? We're trying to get a podcast rolling. <laughs> Not trying. That would be your turn on, wouldn't it? It would be, randomly. So, we weren't sure how to make... We weren't sure how to figure out who was supposed to go first. So Amber was like, hold on, I got this. And she <laughs> downloaded an app to do a coin toss. For this one episode. For this one episode. We figured it out prior, or not prior, after. <laughs> Opposite after of prior. We were already set up and ready to go. And yeah. I did not feel like going back down my stairs for the tenth time. Exactly. It's kind of a struggle. We're kind of in her upstairs, like, landing and we've hung blankets everywhere over every single door and the staircase downstairs has, like, two blankets covering it. So it's not in... We're pretty much trapped and it's gonna be a sauna in here in, like, 30 minutes. But that's For fine. You, I will be perfectly fine. We just took a shot of tequila. You're telling me you're not about to get hot up in here? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I will. I'm always cold. I'm always suffering and it sucks. Fair. I okay. did start taking my iron iron vitamins again. <laughs> oh, that's good. We'll see how long those work. I was about to call you epileptic. That's not what you are. I'm not <laughs> epileptic at all. Well, that plays into my case. So. No, nice segue. <laughs> okay, so do our little coin flip. Flippy flip. Call it heads or tails. Always tails. Always got to go for the butts. <laughs> Okay, Muttley. <laughs> okay, it's heads. So you're going first. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> well, this would be fun. <laughs> okay, Amber. Now you can prepare and figure out how to translate some of your words. Oh, <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we're just winging it. All right, Amby. I'm wetty. I'm wetty. <laughs> Jeez, it's only been one shot. I'm not even there. <laughs> I have also only had a small thing of chili today. I bought you a freaking salad. I know, but it's sitting right there taunting me. Unless our listeners want to hear me choose salad in a sexy way while you're trying to do your story. <laughs> no. Okay. That was the worst so, sexy voice ever. Oh, yes. Um, don't even, I don't even attempt those things. So, um, our first subject is femme fatales which are female serial killers, which, fun topic. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> so, my first one. <laughs> I'm trying to open this quietly. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Our first one 
Well, mine. First story is about Dorothea Puente. Puente. Also known as the grandmotherly killer. The grandmotherly killer. Or grandmother killer. Okay, I know nothing about this case. Oh, good. So I don't know if she is a grandmother killer or if she is a killer of the grandmas. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Neither? Neither. Oh, okay. A little bit of backstory. I mean, her victims were of age, so... Okay, well, of age means over 18. That doesn't mean a grandmother. (laughs) Okay. So, let's start off with a little bit of backstory on her. Okay. Dorothea Helen Gray was born on January 9th, 1929 in San Bernardino County, California. Uh, Her parents were alcoholic abusive. Of course. Um... But by the age of six, both her mother and father had died. Ooh, that's young. She had a rough upbringing. Um, this sent her to an orphanage until her relatives in Fresno took her in. Okay. Relatives meaning, like, aunt, uncle? They didn't really go into who took her in. It was very vague who took her in, just relatives. Okay. Yeah. Third cousins once removed. That's what I'm going with. Yep. Um, she eventually started lying about her childhood, saying, like, she was one of 18 kids born and raised in Mexico. So her, her tales were out there. Wait, was she American? Oh, yeah. She was American and pretty white. If you look on the drive, I have photos of her. Oh, I, oh that's one thing I forgot to do. Okay. Oh. At least I'm prepared. Well, we'll just... And didn't do this at 8 o'clock last night. I can put pictures on the drive while you're talking. Might be beneficial. Yeah, okay. Of what you can find. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not a lot. <laughs> um, so, she got... Dorothea ended up married at 20. Okay. But her husband died of heart attack two years later. Okay. She had daughters, I believe, with him or her second husband. I'm not sure. Um, But after her first husband died, she had to forge checks for money. Okay. When she eventually got caught, she was uh, jailed uh, jailed for a year, but paroled after six months. Not long after, she ended up pregnant with what I believe is her third girl. How old was she at this point? Oh, goodness. 22, 23. Okay. Uh, and she ended up giving that baby girl up for adoption. She ended up marrying a guy named Axel Johnson. Uh, like Axel Rose? Yeah. Axel. Axel! That <laughs> uh, ended... It was a pretty abusive relationship. But she stayed for 14 years. <laughs> longer than I would have. Uh-huh. Uh, she eventually divorced him in 66 and then married a guy named Ro- uh, Roberto Puente in Mexico City. He was 19 years younger than her. <laughs> I'm trying to take screenshots on my phone because I forgot to hook up to the Wi-Fi whenever we started up here. <laughs> so I'm using my phone to update the drive. Please continue because I am listening. Before the end of her marriage to Roberto 
Because he couldn't stay faithful. Oh, of course not. Why Why would he do that? He's 19 years younger than her. Okay, well. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't be, but that's a big age gap. I mean, how much older is your husband? Nine. And that's what mine was as well. So we really have no room to talk. It's all, She's almost 20 years older than this guy. Okay. That's a bit different. But she ended up taking over a three-story, 16-bedroom care home on 2100 F Street in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. She ended up turning it into a place of care for homeless and... I can't say this word, but basically homeless, alcoholics, you know, elderly people that just needed a place, needed mm-hmm. somebody to care for them. Um, this also included a guy named Chief. His name was Chief? Like, not a title? Nickname. Okay. Um, he was a homeless man that she ended up adopting and using as a handyman around the place. Um, Is it adopting or taking in? I don't know. A lot of people, a lot of what I was reading said that she, like, adopted him, but okay, not sure. Good for her. He would dig in this basement of this place. He'd bring up soil and cart trash away in a wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. And he then laid a concrete slab in the basement. Well, after the slab was finished, he just uh, disappeared gone oh yeah you just just disappeared there yeah okay so i think this woman got married like five or six times from what i understand um she married another physically physically abusive alcoholic she has a type at least least (laughs) she's consistent very but According to the California Court of Appeals records, Puente started renting her upstairs apartment at 1426 F Street to a Ruth Monroe. Okay. This place is where nine of the murders would take place that she is involved with. Okay. She is stated to be an American serial killer. This is not the same 16-room boarding house that she had. This is a separate one on the same street. Wait, she had two places? Yep. On the same street? Yep. Why? It doesn't say? Um, It didn't say, like, if one was for living and one was for killing? I think she ended up losing that one. Thought I had it down. Also, while we're waiting... I apparently can't upload things on my phone either without the Wi-Fi. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, no pictures for you. There were only paintings. There was only one painting of her husband and one painting of her. So, so so she actually got caught for forging signatures of her tenants at the 16-room boarding house and was, ended up serving jail time. And so she lost the 16-bedroom boarding house. Forging signatures for what? Their money, their pensions, their disability. <laughs> okay. This this was a key thing in, with her is she forged a lot of checks, she forged a lot of signatures, and she stole a lot of money from the people that she was helping. Okay. So, Monroe, the lady that she was renting, the upstairs boarding room, the upstairs room to, 
on F Street, would soon die from an overdose of codeine and Tylenol. When Puente talked to the cops, she said that she had been severely depressed because her husband was terminally ill. Okay. So. This is second husband. No. Ruth Monroe is the lady. I just said this. Is the lady she was renting a room Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're caught up. <laughs> Welcome to our first podcast. <laughs> so, they were saying, Puente told the cops that Monroe's husband was terminally ill, which caused Monroe to be severely depressed. Okay. The police believed Puente and wrote Ruth's murder off as a suicide. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So, psychopath. Yeah. Okay. She later got caught not long after the police were back, after a 74-year-old pensioner named Malcolm McKenzie accused Puente of drugging him and robbing him. Okay. She would be convicted of three charges of theft... In August of 1982. Only three? Only three. She stole from and a lot of people. five years in jail. That's it? Yep. Okay. That's it. Of course, this is back in 82. So, all during that great. I feel like that wasn't that long ago, but it really was that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was just under 40 years ago. Well, while she was in jail, she started corresponding with 77-year-old retiree Everson Gilmouth. They developed a, <laughs> they developed a friendship pretty quickly, and then they started making wedding plans. Oh, well, how quickly? And what age is she at this point? Oh, gosh. She was born in 29. This is 82, 83. So 60s. Yeah. She's in her 60s. Or late 50s. Yeah. Um, like I said, they. she only ended up serving three of her five-year sentence for theft. Because she had good behavior or something like that? They didn't get into, into that, but okay. I'm going to guess it was something along the lines of good behavior or the fact that she wasn't deemed an elderly person at that point. That's okay. You know, she's like... Almost 65 at that point when she got out. Okay. So. I'm going to tell my dad that he's elderly. He's about to turn 60. (laughs) Apparently to Amber, you're elderly. I'm going to do it to my mom. She's got two more years. (laughs) So. Gilmouth would be there to pick her up when she was released. In a 1980 Ford pickup. Cherry okay. Red. All right. I mean, you know I love my trucks, so. Yeah, I know. I saw this as soon as I saw this. <laughs> <laughs> He's a yee-yee. <laughs> oh, my God. So, in 85, Puente would hire a guy named Ismael Flores with a Z, okay. not an S, so not related. Okay. <laughs> Quick 
uh, quick insight. My grandfather's last name is Flores. Oh, I know. With an S. Yes. Not a Z. And I, I weirdly know a lot about your genealogy. I think it's been discussed way too much. A lot. But no, they're also from California. All of them. them. So. I don't know why I keep on doing that weird laugh. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where it came from. It's weird. Keep going. (laughs) But he was hired to install some paneling in her apartment that she shared with Gilmouth on. Okay. Here you go. 1426 F Street. The same apartment she was living in prior. How'd that happen? I don't know. I'm going to guess they had a... You need to pre-anticipate my questions. (laughs) How old are they and how did things happen? (laughs) Jesus Christ. So good to know I need to put stickies on my Google Doc. Yes. They rented a room on top of the building that she originally had. Okay. So basically where Ruth had uh, rented a space mm-hmm. prior, Dorothea went and rented a room at the same area. Okay. So. That's weird. That's like obsessed. <laughs> That's obsessive. She's old. Give her a break. <laughs> I mean, mm, keep going. (laughs) That weirds me out. For the labor, Dorothea paid him $800 and a red 1980 Ford uh, Ford pickup truck. Okay. I like those Fords. That she wrote off was her boyfriend's from L.A. and that he just didn't need it anymore. Okay. She would go on to hire him, Flores, again, to build a six foot by three foot by two foot uh, wooden box. Six foot by two foot by three foot? So, meaning six foot is in length, three foot is width, and two foot is height? If it's laying on its back? Okay, like a coffin. Yeah, that's exactly what I just said. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like a coffin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, this wooden box would hold books and other items. Was it pine? Didn't say. Okay. <laughs> Not a question I expected. <laughs> um, <laughs> Was it mahogany? <laughs> mahogany. Uh, I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> you just had to, you know, put the Wisconsin <laughs> I was doing so good, too. <laughs> she thought. She thought. <laughs> All right, keep going. What were they doing with this pine box? Now you're just doing it on purpose. <laughs> so, he, Dorothea also mm-hmm. asked him to transport these books to a storage unit that she was going to put them in. So were the so, books already in the box, or were they... Like, was he transporting the, the shelf with the books inside? No, she was just putting books and other stuff that she didn't want in her apartment anymore in, in this box. Okay. You'll find out. Okay, I'm sorry. Is. Keep going. I'm sorry. So. I'm, I'm inquisitive. Flores was then asked to transport these books in the nailed shut box 
in the truck, the pickup. And he didn't question why it was nailed shut? He did question her, and he questioned her about this. Puente joined in on the adventure to the storage unit. But she made him pull over on Garden Highway in Sutter County and dump said box into the riverbank. That she was going to pull off her beautiful books in. Mm -hmm. The beautiful mahogany box. For an unofficial... This area was an unofficial household dumping site. Okay. So it was just like a bunch of stuff around down there. So the Ohio River. Got it. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) So... Flores did question Puente as to why the hell she was throwing this new... That he made for her. Yeah. Into the river, and she said uh, she felt it was just junk. So she just tossed it. She knows that wood floats, right? Depends on how much weight's in it. So, anyway, about this box. On January 1st of 86, a fisherman spotted... A box. Floating. Sitting about three feet from the bank of the river. Okay. He called police. When the police came, they opened the box and found a badly decomposed and unidentified body of an elderly man inside. Ew. At this point, Puente continued to collect Gilmouth's pension. Okay. And wrote letters to his family saying he was just ill. And that's why he couldn't write a letter? Because he was ill? Mm Mm-hmm. So she was corresponding for him? Mm-hmm. Or was she pretending to be him? And they thought it was him writing the letters. I believe she was penning them to the family, saying that he was ill and she was caring for him. Okay. All right. So she wasn't even trying to play it off like this. Obviously, I can't do his handwriting. Yeah. Like, she can forge a signature, but she can't forge an entire letter. Right. Okay. So this body would go unidentified for three years. That's so long. Do you not have, like, dental records? I don't think... Surely dental records were a thing in the 80s. I don't know. I don't know if it was widely used. Because I don't believe Gilmouth was originally from California. Although if he was elderly in the early 80s, he might have had dentures. Yeah, and also he was originally from Oregon. So... Do you think Oregon doesn't have dental records? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, like, think about how it brought, it used to be. They had a lot of That's true. Issues. They didn't have... The internet wasn't like what we have now. Like, it was yeah, completely it, different. And also, police departments didn't talk. Yeah, that's true. They didn't ask questions. They, and his family didn't report him missing because... They thought he was just sick and that his woman was taking care of him. Mm-hmm. His convict of a woman. Right. So, I wish you were on Wi-Fi, then you could see what this woman looks like. I mean, I could look her up. Yeah, yeah, you can. Might help. Is she pretty? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, they discovered this box, and his body remained unidentified for three years. Okay. So, after... She continued a room and board business while continuing to cash in on Gilmouth's pension. She looks like a Stell 
From the Golden Girls. Oh my god, she does. It's Estelle. <laughs> yeah, that's what she looked like when she was, I want to say, convicted. What? I don't, I couldn't find any photos of her when she was younger. Yeah, all of these are older. Yeah. Oh, there's actually a search. Dorothea Puente Younger. There she is. No, that's one of her victims. That's Ruth. Okay, well, never mind. <laughs> I thought that too. And then she popped up on a the victims page. Nope, that photo was of Ruth Monroe. Her Oh, she was pretty. Mm-hmm. Her hair looks very stiff. I mean, such was the style. Okay, so when was the body identified? Well, like I said, three years later. Uh-huh. Um, so like I said, she was continuing a room and board at 1429. I don't remember the number. I want to say it was 1429 F Street. We'll go with that. Sacramento. Sacramento. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sacramento. Sacramento. There's your southern accent coming out. We're not even southern. I mean, you're more southern than I was born. You went south. I did go south. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. And the waving wind. Talk about a southern accent. <laughs> Every month, Puente would collect all the tenants mail mm-hmm. it, remember these tenants are elderly they're alcoholics they're drug addicts they're literally the best people that she could have preyed on yeah uh, you know they're pensioners they're retirees and at this point you know there is no like direct deposit or anything everything was paper checks mm-hmm. being sent to you yeah so, Puente was collecting all of the tenants, man. All of it. Which, I, I don't know how she could have done that. It might have just been one mailbox and then she distributed it. That's mm, true. But she, um, she would gather it before the tenants saw that they got mail. And gave them only a small amount of any money that they were given. So, any of their disability, any of their pension... I mean, if they came in checks, how is she doing that? I mean, you can't just, like, tear off a piece of a check and give it to them. Like, this is all you got. <laughs> like, no. How do you siphon off the top of checks? I want to say she was, I mean, she's a master forger, but she, I want to say that she was forging their signatures. Depositing? From, from ten, uh, tenant agreements and signing it to herself. Got it. So... And none of them caught on to this weirdness? Anybody that did ended up dead. <laughs> that one is so tiny. How are she taking so many people out? So, her method of choice was poison. Oh, oh yeah. Guess that's how I'd probably kill someone, too, because I can't take down nothing. So, she would often be known to cook for her tenants. She okay. would give them meals, you know. And let me tell you something crazy. There is a cookbook that she published while she was still in jail. Huh. Of all the meals. You know, the boys are always asking for you to cook for them. They won't after this episode, I promise. 
They probably still will. I was say, we'll we could probably happy. easily kill the boys in our group if we wanted to. Just be like, hey guys, we made stuff. Here we go. Like I said, she was known for cooking for her tenants, for doing little things like that. So that's more than likely how she was poisoning her mm-hmm. tenants and eventually killing them. And then whatever money that she did give them, because again, these people are alcoholics and stuff like that, they were squandering their money away at the nearest bar or whatever. But they would be picked up by police and jailed for 30 days following anonymous tips. Okay. So then Puente would pocket the rest of the tenant's money. Okay. Mm-hmm. This Anonym- one's pretty smart. Anonymous tips. Anonymous, yeah. So, in 88, police were called back to the tenant house on the lawn of 60-year-old Dorothea Puente. They found a body buried in the lawn of her building. As they continued digging, they eventually found seven bodies. Was she digging all those holes? Because, again, she's a small old lady. I mean, she might be surprising and be able to dig one heck of a hole. Yeah. She must have been pretty, uh, I must say ripped because it takes me forever to even just garden the first part of my outside. Yeah. But, again, she, I want to say she's worked or done shit all of her life, so... So maybe she I mean she was born into cotton pickers like hey good for her keeping up her body strength at her age <laughs> right she would eventually be charged in 93 with a total of nine murders but she was only convicted of three why was she only convicted of three did they not have evidence on the other you said there was nine so other six well because they already had given her two life sentences, so she was pretty much dying in jail. I mean, I don't care. If you're gonna kill nine people, get counted for the nine people. Right. One of those... At least get justice. Yeah. One of those nine bodies, because if you remember, they only collected eight out of the backyard. There's the one in the other... No, no. No. They charged her for Gilmouth. Okay. Because remember, it took three years for them to identify the body. Okay, and then they can pretty much be like, okay, they used to know each other. We could pretty much guarantee that she's the one to kill them. Mm-hmm. Because that's how evidence works in the United States of America. Uh, yeah. Okay. There's been people convicted of less. Um, well, th- was that less. one of the counts that she had, or was it just one that just they tried and they only got the three? Tried. Okay. But I, I, I think a lot of the reason she only got charged with three was because of her age. I actually feel like that should matter. If you commit the crime, you need to do the time. And if you get nine life sentences, what's that different than having two life sentences? I mean, I agree with you. I mean, life is life. You're going to stay in there for one, you might as well stay in there for all. True. At least pick up her rap sheet and make her look more like a badass in jail. Make all the other old grannies in there not mess with her. So, like I told you, she has a what's it called she has a cookbook that she penned in 98 with uh shane bugby which he did he did an extensive interview with her over the course of several years until she passed away in 2011 
Mind you, this woman was born in 1929 and died in 2011. Okay. She held on. She <laughs> did hold on. <laughs> so, okay, so how old was she whenever she got convicted? How long was she in jail? She was in her 60s. Because whenever, whenever they, they have her as 60 years old when they found the bodies in November of 1988. She was 82 years old when she passed away. Okay. Wait, so how long was she in prison? 93 to 2011 when she died. She okay. died at, she was sentenced to Chowchilla State Prison. Okay, so she was there for 18 years. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Although it's only two years for every person that they found, which I still think isn't enough. Yeah. Like, I love my grandma, but if she killed nine people, I sure hope that she would spend more than two years in prison to pay for all those lives that she took and all those people that she hurt. Yeah. I really hope my grandma never listens to this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure if your mother doesn't want to listen to this, I don't know if your grandmother will. Oh, she definitely won't. And if she does, I... Ah, there it is. So, the way that she... Her way of doing it is she would bring people cakes with sleeping pills and smother them in their sleep. Wait, in prison? No! That's her M.O. Oh, okay. There you go. So she would put them to sleep and then smother them so that they couldn't resist her because she wasn't strong enough to do anything. Right. So. There's no way she dig those holes then, or dug those holes. Unless she got another homeless person to do it for money. Or some hired somebody to... Oh, dismembered bodies in her backyard. Uh, yeah. With what? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't Is say. Granny with a chainsaw in the backyard? I don't know. But she would also tell her tenants that the stench coming from the ground was caused by sewage and dead rats. I mean, if someone told me that, if I was in an older building, I'd probably believe it, too. Yeah. But... Especially in the 80s. Like, sewage wasn't, like, the most amazing technological advance at that point. It wasn't awful, but it's not like, you know... They also say that a lot of the bodies, when they dug them up, were mummified. So did she, like, embalm them? No, I... But that they just... She dismembered. Mummies aren't embalmed. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Please look that up. Mummies are totally embalmed. No, they're not. The Egyptians did not embalm them. Hold on. Hold on. Yes. Did they? They have to remove all the moisture, which is embalming. They didn't use embalming fluid. Embalming is an actual process. Well, yeah. But they still have to drain the body. That's part of embalming part of embalming but that's not the actual embalming yes the message the this is what it says the methods of embalming or treating the dead body in ancient egyptians used is called mummification it's one and the same is it yes because otherwise they're just going to normal decay you have to treat the body that's what mummification is is removing all of the moisture i don't know i mean this is california i mean she didn't just let them sit out like raisins she had to do something to embalm them at some point. To drain them, hang them upside down, slit their throats, something. I don't think she did that. She doesn't have the strength for that. I don't know. This one was like a witch. <laughs> Not a witch. 
All right. <laughs> Puente, she protested her innocence in the murders right up until her death uh, in 2011. And of course, she died of natural causes, you know, old age. Yeah. But 26 years later... Her, she was guy, also mummified. <laughs> no, this guy came out claiming to be her grandson. Okay. Saying that she was never that type of person that would have killed anybody. That they had a real connection. And the photo that is of this guy is him with Freddy Krueger claw. Okay, I did see that when I was looking. Yeah, that's that's her supposed So he thinks that people are going to ignore all evidence against her. And believe him just on the testimony of, it's my grandma, she couldn't hurt anybody. Yeah. That's what he said. He reveals how he shared a real connection with her and refuses to sell her ashes to internet obsessives. I mean, good, but, I mean, that's weird if you want somebody's ashes. Like, that's fucking weird. I mean, there's weird people out there. We're some of them, hence why we're obsessed with murder. Like I said, she dismembered their corpses and threw their remains into mass graves in her garden. Lovely. Mm-hmm. And none of the tenants noticed, like, turnover soil. The police did when they went to check. But the tenants didn't? They mm-hmm. lived there. They would be like, oh, that mud wasn't there yesterday. You can't say that they're elderly. Like, not all of them have cataracts no. to the point where they can't see mud. Some of these are alcoholics. They're probably out of it. Don't, mm-hmm. don't notice it. They, I mean. No, that's fair. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'd be suspicious if I lived there. But we also know to look for weird shit like that. Yeah. Other people are probably like, eh, she's probably gardening. I mean, it was in her backyard. She's probably gardening. There's no plants there, but she's probably gardening. She's probably about to plant something there. An elephant. Whatever. An elephant. How the hell do you plant an elephant? That's That was totally, like... A reference to uh, Scooby-Doo Zombie Island. Oh, God. The gardener has this huge hole. He was like, I was planting. And Velma's like, what were you planting? An elephant? Oh, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that. I watched it recently with my siblings because we're grown adults who still love classics. All right. So is that the case of Dorothea Puente? Yes. Um, I probably didn't do it much justice. I think it was good. I mean, you've never heard it and... Very interesting. We're about to follow up with my amazing story. Oh, boy. Okay. First of all, listeners, I want to apologize right away for the fact that I started researching this last night at 8 o'clock at night. And... uh, Even though we had two weeks. We had two weeks to do this. I started this. Yes. Yes. No, I I waited. I procrastinated. And... uh, most of this, like, all the names and the places are all um, Hungarian. So if anyone is listening that's Hungarian or speaks Hungarian, just know I genuinely apologize. I'm not trying to butcher your language in any way. This is just how things are unfolding. I did look up some things. Uh, I will just say that I'm only saying her last name a couple of times because her first name's Elizabeth, and that's easy. So my story... Is about Elizabeth Ba Tori, <laughs> is how the pronunciation guide said it. <laughs> it said to ba like a sheep. <laughs> so Elizabeth Ba Tori 
a.k.a. the Blood Countess. So Elizabeth was born on a family estate in Royal Hungary in 1560, where she spent her childhood at the Ext Castle. And I did look up Ext. I know that's correct. It's E-C-S-E-D. And I was really confused, but it's Ext. Um, then I looked up just kind of her genealogy because she is known as a countess. Um, and looking at all that, there's a lot of names that I was not going to pronounce and a lot of places that I did not know how to say. And pretty much at the end of that, I just found out that her parents are related in some long way, which kind of plays in. Yes. Back then. Kind of plays in. So Elizabeth suffered multiple seizures growing up due to epilepsy that at that point was thought to be caused by a thing called falling sickness. And I've never heard of that before. And I highlighted it to look into it, and I didn't. So keep going. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Apparently the treatment at that time was to rub the blood of a quote-unquote non-sufferer, so someone who's not suffering from falling sickness. And um, you're supposed to put it on the lips of the epileptic or give the epileptic a mix of non-sufferer's blood and a piece of skull after the episode had ended. So when it says the piece of skull, I don't know if they're supposed to hold it, suck on it, rub it on their chest. I don't know what the skull is for. Any of that is disgusting. Any of it's disgusting. I'm not sure the purpose. I mean, it's kind of like you have ghosts in your blood. Here's some cocaine type things. But... Just like, uh, here, drink a, drink a Coke laced with cocaine. Yeah, pretty much. So, Cure yeah. Well. So a lot of people also... We are going to speculate wildly on a lot of this case because it is from the 1560s to the early 1600s, and there's only so many facts that it can be validated. So there's a lot of theories in this, and this theory of her being epileptic as a child, I know, I can say it, (laughs) um... Apparently plays into all the horrendous things that she did as an adult. I dribbled. Oh, I thought you were laughing at me. I'm like, that was such a serious statement. That wasn't a joke. I actually dribbled water down my face again. Okay, so um, actually one really cool thing about Elizabeth is that when she was young, she learned Latin, German, Hungarian, and Greek. Jesus. Yeah, so what is that? Quadlingual? Something like that. Okay. Um, So Elizabeth was engaged at the very, very young age of 10 to a guy named Count Ferenc (laughs) Nadsity. Maybe should have looked that one. Nadacity. Something like that. Um, And was believed to be a political arrangement and not because of love or anything like that. 100%. Oh, 100%. There's no way. I mean, she's 10 years old. She's 10 years old. I'm pro- I want to speculate that as soon as she started her period, they sold her off. Uh, probably. That's a probably is that because that's when a lot, a lot of women start. You bleed, you breed. I mean, pretty much. So Elizabeth's social status was higher than that of her future husband, and she refused to change her last name. Which I thought was kind of cool. That's pretty badass for the time, though. Instead, the Count assumed her surname of Batori. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Sorry, that's the last time, I promise. I'm not going to say it again. Um, on <laughs> May 8th, 1575, the couple married when she was 15 and her new husband was 19 years old. 
So it's not as crazy. So they were engaged for five years before they finally assumed a marriage. Oh, okay. So he was 19, she was 15, which really was not abnormal for that time. No. I mean, that wasn't abnormal like 100 years ago. At least he wasn't like a skeevy 30, 40-year-old man like yeah, some no. cases are. He was relatively within her age, which... Because whenever they said that she was 10 the first time I read that, like, I assumed he was older. Oh, okay. So it's like a lot of kings and queens back then were promised, literally, when they were infants. Yeah. To each other to strengthen borders and exactly and stuff like that. Yes. Um, so this one was as creepy. I never read, I never read anything about if they were in love with each other, if there's any love letters. Honestly, there was very little written on their marriage. In fact, after this, there's not really much named of him in my research. Like he just kind of like goes to the wayside. I don't know when he died or anything like that. Um, I mean, he did have a lower level name. Come on. Yeah. Okay, so when I say that they have a large wedding, how many guests do you think that is? Over 100. Well over 100. Uh, Over 1,000? Well over 1,000. Jesus Christ. 4,500 guests. How do you feed that many people? I mean, servants. I mean, they're they're practically royalty. Sure. They're count and countess. Dude, I got married at a courthouse. (laughs) I got married in a clubhouse, so... (laughs) At least you had to worry about catering people. I did Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I got congratulations from somebody that looked like a meth head, so... Oh, that's romantic. Very. Um, The couple quickly moved into his household that was like a gift from his parents, and it's called the Castle of... And I'm going to butcher this. It's spelled C-S-E-J-T-E. S-S-E-J-T-E. Cheez Its. Cheez Its. I had to make sure I didn't like over pitch the mic there. <laughs> I was it's, waiting patiently. It's situated in the Little Carpathians near, and this is the word I told you I was going to butcher earlier. Oh boy, here we go. Vag Uchili. It's V A G U J H E L Y. Oof, I think that is not even close, but I'm, I'm not going to attempt. Again, listener, I apologize. So... Uh, what was it spelled like? V-A-G uh-huh. dash U-J-H-E-L-Y. Vajuhili. Vajuhili. Vajuhijeli. Vajjeli. <laughs> I mean, they sell it. <laughs> now I'm looking up pronunciations. Pronunciations? <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. Oh, no. I thought I wasn't going to get made fun of on this podcast. I know. Already. Oh, I didn't want to download a PDF. Never mind. Screw it. I'm done. Okay. All right. I'm not trying. We're not going to figure that one out. Um, at the age of 13, so a couple of years, it was whenever she was engaged or betrothed, I guess is the word that they used, or whatever it is in Hungarian. Uh-huh. Um, but two years before her marriage... Elizabeth allegedly gave birth to a child, said to have been fathered by a peasant boy, but supposedly given away to a local woman that was trusted by her family. Um, So evidence of this pregnancy came up long after Elizabeth's death, but it was just rumors pretty much spread around by peasants. Therefore, the validity of this rumor is widely disputed. 
So we're going to keep tally. That's a possible one. So in 1578, the Count, a.k.a. Hubby, became the chief commander of the Hungarian troops, leading them to war against the Ottomans. With her husband away at war, Elizabeth managed business affairs to the estates. Um, That role usually included, like, responsibility over the Hungarian and Slovakian people, even providing medical care. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So Elizabeth gave birth that people know of to four to five children. Depending on the source, it was four or five. Not including the one that we already speculated wildly about. Yeah. So. So she she had, she had at least. Yeah. Enough so to drive me insane. The four that are for sure in the books written down are Anna, Ursula, Katharina, and Paul. Okay. Then we have the nameless baby from whenever she was 13. And then Andre, Andros, A-N-D-R-A-S. Uh, Andra. It's not Andreas, so Andras. Yeah. We're going to call him Andy. So <laughs> between the years of 1585 and 1598 is whenever she had those four to five children. You know who could probably help you with pronunciations? Pronunciations? Whatever. Who? Spencer. <gasps> Spence! Okay. He yeah. could have helped you. He could have I helped mean, me. He did. He knows train. Russian. That's different. I'm pretty sure... He might be able to give me a rough estimate, though. Yeah. So, some chronicles also indicate that the couple had another son, Miklos. So, we have the four to five. (laughs) It's Michelob. (laughs) (laughs) Close. So, we have the four to five possibles. The one when she was 13, now Miklos. Um, Although, this cannot be confirmed. And then, Giorgi... G-Y-O-R-G-Y is also supposedly a name of one of the deceased infants. So they think that maybe it died whenever it was an infant. Mm-hmm. Um, but this can also not be confirmed. A lot of people thought that that, that Giorgi or whatever his name was could have also been a cousin. Mm-hmm. So, but of course, I mean, her parents were cousins. So who's to say in this family? Yeah. Um, and all of her children were cared for by governesses. So she didn't have a lot to do with her children as they were growing up. Of course. Of course not. Um, between 1602 and 1604, after rumors of Elizabeth's atrocities had sp- began spreading through the kingdom, Lutheran minister Istvan Magyari—I'm so sorry—Magyari <laughs> <laughs> uh, made a claim- complaints against her, both publicly and at the court in Vienna. Um, the Hungarian authorities took some time to respond to his complaints, and finally, in 1610, so six years after he complained, uh, King Matthias II assigned Thurzo, a palatine of Hungary, to investigate. Thurzo ordered two no- uh, notaries to collect the evidence in March of 1610. So I think notaries are very different there. Because mm-hmm. my mom's a notary and she hasn't collected evidence on anything. <laughs> or she used to be a notary. She's not anymore. Um, by Maybe November- she missed her chance. I mean... Maybe she just wasn't using it right. Um, By October of 1610, they had collected 52 witness statements, and by 1611, the number had grown over to 300 individual witness statements. Hmm. So, this girl got around. So, historians believe that Elizabeth's crimes ranged between the years of 1590 and 1610, um, which would put her at... She was born in 1560, so she was she was around thirty when she first started 
her crimes. Okay. Um, I mean, for her at that age, that's a midlife crisis. Yeah. So between 50 and, or 30 and 50 was like her prime years. Um, Elizabeth's first victims were girls aged between 10 and 14. Later, Elizabeth is said to have been gun killing daughters of lesser gentry who were sent to this thing called a gymnasium. It's etiquette courses. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It was etiquette courses that she was taking. How did you know that? Or that she was teaching? I watch a lot of... I used to watch a lot of history and a lot of... I used to be so into just history books, etc. and so forth. So I know girls of higher nobility were often sent off for proper etiquette for from higher royalty. Okay. Because a lot of them wanted their daughters to possibly be lady-in-waitings to mm-hmm. the queen or duchesses or something, and then be married off to higher nobility. Okay. To get their name spread, get the family name spread higher. Okay, well, that was something I was supposed to look up because it was also highlighted, and I didn't. Well, so. aren't you lucky you have me? I know! <laughs> so anyway, so she pretty much had one of these places, and she was just teaching the girls etiquette and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, abductions were said to have occurred as well. So she wasn't only just taking girls that were happened to be there for her to watch and take care of and teach. She was taking random women as well. The atrocities... The atrocities? Atrocities described most consistently included severe beatings, burning or mutilation of hands, biting the flesh off of their faces, arms, and other body parts, and freezing or starving to death. The use of needles were also mentioned by the collaborators in court. Imagine those needles. Yeah, which I'm terrified of needles. That's one of my, like, my biggest fears, so I could not even imagine. Like, I'll take a regular needle over whatever the hell they had back then. Yeah, same. Um... Where was I? Uh, There are many suspected forms of torture carried out by her, including burning of the girls with hot tongs and then placing the burned flesh in cold water. Mm. So I'm not really sure what that does, because I know whenever I burn myself, I always put my hand underneath cold water. But if it's freezing water, I wonder if it makes it, like, bubble up or something like that? It may do something to the scarring oh that's fair i didn't even think about that just the shock of having it go from one extreme to the other yeah i could definitely see that um they were also covered in honey and then covered it with live ants no thanks yeah um elizabeth was also suspected of cannibalism some witnesses named relatives who died at her etiquette school thing whatever you call that thing what's it called I don't know. I just said it was etiquette course. That thing. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, others reported having seen traces of torture on the dead bodies that were coming out of there. Um, so apparently she just really didn't care. Maybe she thought that, like, her status wasn't going to get her in trouble. Probably. I don't know. Which kind of does come in later on. Uh, some of the bodies were buried in the graveyard surrounding it and others in unmarked locations. So two court officials claimed to have personnel, like personally witnessed the countess torture and kill young servant girls elizabeth and four collaborators were accused in the torturing in the killing of hundreds of young girls and women the highest number of victims cited during elizabeth's trial was 650 
Damn. Yeah. So on December 30th, 1610, so when she was 50 years old, Thurza went to the um, palace or the castle that she was living in and arrested Elizabeth along with four of her servants who were accused of being her accomplices. And their names were Dorothea Semtezis, um, Alonia Joe, Katerina Benica, and Janos Ujavari. And that's what we're going to say is their names. Janos. Um, sure. According to a letter that Thurzo sent his wife, his unannounced visit, whenever he went to go arrest them, he found one dead girl and another one is like living prey girl in the castle. So what I took that is, is that she was in the middle of being tortured and she was just kind of staying there between her tortures. Mm. Um, but there's no evidence that they had asked her what had happened. Like there's no evidence that they asked the girl that was like alive still what had happened to her. There's no account for it. Oh, okay. Although I'm sure it obviously happened. They didn't just see that girl. I'm like, well, oh, she's fine. And keep walking on. Um, although it's commonly believed that Elizabeth was caught in the act of torture, she was actually having dinner during the time of her arrest. Hmm. Um, initially, Thurzo made the declaration to Elizabeth's guests and villagers that he had caught her red-handed. However, she was arrested and detained prior to the discovery of the presentation of the victims in the house. Hmm. So, I thought that was interesting. He was like, I caught her in the act, and they're like, no, you didn't. Um... Thurzo debated further proceedings with Elizabeth's son, named Paul, and two of her son-in-laws, Nicola and Gigori. A trial, um, so a trial and execution would have caused a public scandal and would have had the influential family kind of be disgraced, and Elizabeth's considerable property would have been seized by the crown. So instead of doing the thing that she deserved... They decided that they were just going to send her away to a nunnery. And it makes me think of Hamlet. Get thee to a nunnery! <laughs> so, but as accounts of her murder um, of the daughters of, like, the lesser nobility spread, it was agreed that she would be kept under strict house arrest because none of the nunneries wanted her. Oh, <laughs> um. Most of the witnesses testified that they had heard the accusations from others, but didn't see it themselves. The servants uh, confessed under torture, which was not credible in court. So, like, they got confessions, but you can't you can't get it by torturing somebody. So well, yeah. none of that was being able to be used. Um, and a lot of the people were also executed quickly whenever they said that they were pretty much talking about what all, everything she had done. The king was like, mm, nope, execution. Damn. Yeah, right? I thought that That's was kind some of... nobility. I know. The king's like, nah, I got your back, girl. <laughs> um, the accusation of murders were based on rumors, and there is no documentation to prove that anyone in the area complained about the countess. So... So was it maybe a Marie Antoinette type thing? Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure people were like, no, she did it. But, like, because of her status, they didn't officially file a complaint. It was just rumors and, like... Because a lot of people that worked there, I mean, they were peasants. They were commoners. But whenever they go home, they're like, yeah, you won't you won't believe this girl did. Yeah. You know? Um, so two triers... Well, triers. I can really speak tonight. Two you should have picked an easier... 
I'm almost done. Uh, two trials were held in wake of Elizabeth's arrest. The first was held on January 2nd, 1611, and the second on January 7th, 1611. So literally less than a week apart, she had two separate trials whenever she was 51 years old. Goodness. She's yeah. elderly at that point. In that point in time. Yeah. That's not elderly now. But well, she pretty much had a late start. She didn't start till she was 30. That's true. I mean, even then, like, people in those centuries were dying in their, before they were 50. Yeah, that's true. But she was nobility. No, yeah. So, Elizabeth was said to be locked in a brick room, but according to other sources, she was able to move freely around the um, house unhindered. Um, on the e- evening of August 20th, 1614, when Elizabeth was 54, so she was in house arrest for three years at this point, um, she complained to her bodyguard that her hands were cold, and the bodyguard just said, you know, you're fine, it's nothing, just go back to bed. Um, Elizabeth went back to sleep, and then she was found dead the following morning. Elizabeth was buried in the church of um, Ex- Exton? What did I say? That place is called. Ext. Ext. Okay. She was buried in that church courtyard. Courtyard. Oh, my gosh. On November 25th, 1614. But according to some sources, due to the villagers' uproar over having the countess buried in their cemetery, her body was moved to her birth home, and where it was entered into her family crypt, but the location of the crypt is unknown. So, that is her story, but here is some s'more speculation. Shmore? Some s'more speculation, because we like to speculate wildly. Oh, so, there was speculation that Elizabeth's killings during her later life were part of her efforts to cure her illness. You know, the falling illness that she had. Or epilepsy. Epilepsy, yeah. Um, however, there is no hard evidence supporting the speculation, but I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. Um, another belief made by some sources in order to explain Elizabeth's cruelty later in her life was that she trained, she was trained by her family to just be cruel, which I don't know why they would just train her to be that way unless it was more like an abuse type thing and she just reacted from it. But the word trained was used. Or the family was cruel in general to servants and lower status people. Yeah. And that's just what she learned, and that's what she was taught, was treat them like dirt, like they are. Keep them where they're supposed to be. Yeah. That's true. Um, stories include Elizabeth witnessing brutal punishments executed by her family's officers and being taught by family members involved with Satanism and witchcraft. Not a witch. And <laughs> um, there is also no hard evidence supporting the speculation either. Uh, The case of Elizabeth inspired numerous stories during the 18th and 19th century, including that of of the Countess bathing in her victim's blood to to retain her beauty and youth. Elizabeth has been labeled as Guinness World's Record as the most prolific female murderer, though the precise number of her victims has been constantly debated. Some insist that Elizabeth inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula, though there is no substantial evidence to support this hypothesis either. A lot of speculation. So much speculation, but speculation makes it fun. Yep. So, yeah, that was our first episode. We plan on... We already have a lot of our upcoming episodes planned. We do have a Facebook page. We do have a Facebook page and a Patreon. to follow. We don't expect anybody to currently sign up for our Patreon, but please follow it. If you end up liking it, donate to us. Yeah. 
Um, and and next week we're going over local losers. Yes, we are. And I have a pretty good topic from here. So that you probably have never heard of. Is that what I think mine is? I, I think it is, yes. Yes. So I'm not going to say who it is until we do the pod. So. Yeah, me either. So you guys just have to wait and see. Oh, Jesus. I'm so everything? excited. <laughs> everything. Oh, just kidding. Um, that, that jumped a lot. <laughs> Move it away. Move it away. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it. Bye-bye. Special thanks to our friend Josh Gall, a.k.a. Euclid, for our theme song.